Hello and welcome to the First Stage Woodworking Podcast. My name is Paul Hyatt and I will be the host of this show. I'm interested in starting a conversation with you and anyone else who wants to talk about craftsmanship and finding meaning in their lives. So if you are interested in this podcast, please like, subscribe, and follow First Stage Woodworking on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Enjoy this episode of the First Stage Woodworking Podcast. Thank you and God bless. stage woodworking podcast it's been a minute since i've been able to do the podcast so you'll have to i'll I'll apologize uh for two quick things even though i hate starting anything by apologizing uh first is that i apologize for not being able to do one of these for a little bit of time here but i uh i've been preparing for my homeschool courses that i'm going to be teaching uh, which is very, very rigorous because I'm actually writing a script. So in, in effect, I'm kind of writing a book, and one of those is is on uh, uh, philosophy, so it's not necessarily an easy subject to write about. And then the other thing is uh, I, I'm working two actual um, full-time jobs, right? Or I have been for the past couple of weeks. I decided um, in preparation to try to uh, build my next house, I decided that I would go and work for a construction company that was kind enough um, to allow me to come and work uh, with them for a couple weeks to help out doing a foundation of a greenhouse that's going to go behind um, the high school out here in town. So that was very, very kind of them. And hopefully they appreciated my help. Hopefully I wasn't in the way, but uh, but I got to help out with, the, with that for the past couple of weeks. And, uh, and I also have another job that I'm working as well to just um, try to be able to save up as much money as we can to get this next big project of our lives going here. So because of that, I haven't really had any time to be able to do a podcast. Um, so I, I apologize that it's been a minute since I've been about three weeks since I've been able to make it up here to be able to do any type of podcasting. And the other one is that, uh, or that I'd like to apologize for is that I'm not wearing shoes today. So when I have very, very terribly white feet based off of being out in the sun uh, for the past couple weeks, uh, cooking away and whatnot. So um, I apologize for you all having to see my feet, but uh, I, I don't want to wear shoes today, so I'm going to, to start there. Um, but the subject of this podcast, I and I've you know thought about well, what's the next episode that I want to be, and I, I've known for a while now that I wanted to talk about this particular piece of furniture uh, for, for a while now. Uh, so I I wanted to talk about furniture design and talk about this piece of furniture because I'm actually rebuilding this piece of furniture right now, only it's hopefully going to be um, an an improved version of that. So I won't really tell too terribly much about what I'm talking about with that current project that I have going on because I'm really, really hoping that it will be um, quite magnificent um, in, in it, it, as, as perfect as I can make it, um, though I'm a very, very imperfect person. Um, but I decided that I would um, talk about uh, furniture design and uh, what kind of makes a piece of furniture 
according to most people, a, what they might consider to be a fine or a finer piece of furniture. And uh, what I kind of look for in, uh, in, in, a, in a furniture design um, that, uh, that, that makes it to where I would call something fine. Um, so that's what I want to talk about is kind of the, the process by which I go through in designing a piece of furniture and, um, and uh, uh, why, why I take that particular approach. So this piece of furniture was uh, made for the inside of a church. Uh, I was approached by a priest. Uh, they said that uh, they needed a small table um, that they wanted to be able to work from or well, to, to use in, uh, in a religious ceremony um, for, a, for a Catholic mass. And uh, I, being Catholic, was very, very honored uh, that anyone would want to have a piece of my furniture, let alone for something that means so incredibly much to me and for so many other people that um, the answer was uh, an obvious yes for me. Um, but it came with the stipulation that I didn't actually ever want anyone to know that I was going to build this piece of furniture until someone decided to uh, break into the church and uh, set fire to it. And I believe they also set fire. I haven't been to the uh, church very often since then, but I think they also set um, fire to the house the priest lives in. So I, uh, it was a very, very tragic incident and it was um, not good, obviously, that, that something like that took place. And um, you can actually go into the uh, Immaculate Conception Catholic Church there in Portland, Indiana, and you can walk in and you can see the damage still, I think, because uh, I don't think they've been able to fix it yet. I, I could be wrong in that, but you can see where the fire was actually set, set, uh, set in place. It's right under uh, the statue of Mary um, as you uh, uh, get toward the, the front of the church. And um, uh, my table, that would normally be right next to the altar, I assume had been moved or something along those lines um, to where it was under the the statue of Mary and uh, it uh, caught on fire and um, as you can see the uh, the burn like just going across there like that you can see I've got some uh, soot on my like right there on the edge of my thumb um, so it uh, got very very charred up in in the in the flame uh, which I'm sure was quite a awful sight to see by the firemen who went in there and had to put the fire out. But, you know, thank God, um, nothing in the church really wound up getting too terribly destroyed, uh, which was good. And um, uh, uh, also, fortunately, it's kind of interesting, if you look at this, um, uh, none of the crosses on this were, were destroyed or touched or anything like that, which I thought was really, really cool as well. So, um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, priest, uh, got a hold of me, Father Logson got a hold of me and was like, uh, hey, <laughs> uh, that table that you had made, um, uh, wound up going up in the flames. Um, and he said that he, initially he was like, uh, you know, you can come and take a look at it. You might be able to, to salvage it, but, uh, really based off of the way that it's, uh, intended uh 
if I were to try to sand this up or, or plane it down or anything like that, it, it just wouldn't be. It, you know, I'm, I'm a furniture builder, not a furniture rehab guy, so I um, don't really know how I would necessarily go about doing something like that. I had other people that were like, well, you know, you could, you know, hook, like, uh, hook it up to electricity and like, you know, kind of do a charred look on the rest of it and, you know, it looked really cool and I just am not really into something like that. So for me, it's, um, I build the furniture to kind of show off the beauty of the wood itself. So that's kind of in part what I'm going to be talking about in this as well. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a total loss. Um, I don't really know quite what to do with this particular piece of furniture. Um, but my wife won't let me get rid of it, so I, so I don't really know uh, what I'll do with it. I've had people tell me, like, oh, you should try and um, put it in a, you know, keep it and, you know, have it as a testament. And I, I, I don't know, um, but, but my wife won't let me get of it, so I guess I'll have it in my house forever, which I don't think is a curse or anything, but, uh, but I, I certainly would, uh, uh, I, you know, I don't know, it, it, it at times is kind of a painful reminder because, you know, and, and I don't want this to be taken as, um, you know, I, I have prayed for the gentleman who uh, decided to, to do this in, in the church. I have, you know, prayed that whatever led him to this, uh, hopefully he'll be able to get over. Um, uh, I, I, while I consider the act to be quite despicable. I really, really hope that he finds healing in whatever way he can so that he doesn't do something like that again. Because um, this is, like this piece of furniture means a lot to me. Um, it kind of represents to me like where uh, my skill kind of, I think, warranted the ability to build something for a church. Like if I had been approached a couple of years before by a church and they asked me to to make something that was going to be like on full display for people I probably would have told them that I don't think that I'm quite ready yet because I didn't know a whole lot about furniture design and uh, my furniture my, my skills just kind of weren't there yet I was still in that tooling around phase um, but everything about this project really went well and, and it was really kind of where things came together for me as a craftsman to where I had that high sense of calling, that high sense of purpose that really drew out the best in me when I decided to build this, this, uh, this piece. So when I uh, was approached by Father Logston, I considered it quite thoughtfully and was like, I, I would be honored to build it, but I, I really don't want anybody to know about it. And the only reason why I'm talking about it is because it's back in my house again, and it sits there kind of eating away at me. So I've been talking about it recently, and that's because I'm rebuilding another one similar to this. Only the other one, hopefully, God willing, will be a lot better. Um, so I just decided that I would, you know, walk people through, um, at least in my mind, what the uh, make something, and when I say in, in my mind, um, know that I'm not necessarily speaking only on, on my behalf, but um, what many consider to be um, what makes a piece of furniture really, really good or fine. And this is one of the very few pieces of furniture that I would say, like, it, like this is 
the finest piece of furniture I have ever made um, because it took quite a bit of skill to be able to make something like this and it uh, really was made um, it, it serves a function it, it has a utilitarian purpose it's needed for a religious ceremony called the mass um, uh, but it uh, uh, so so it, it so it has a a, a function um, which makes it not necessarily completely and totally an art form. Um, traditionally, uh, the arts are kind of defined, or at least the, the highest form of art would be something that is beautiful for the sake of being beautiful. So this serving a purpose, it's having a utilitarian function, it's not necessarily just beautiful for the sake of making it beautiful, um, but I would consider it to be beautiful and uh, it kind of, you know, sprung out of my thought and the dimensions were there and, and um, it uh, was made with, uh, with beauty in mind in every step of, of, the, of the process. So um, I know too that if you're watching or if you're listening to this podcast, I will make a YouTube video that'll be uploaded online. And I will show you um, by by filming different aspects of this table. Um, I'll show you what uh, what I mean by like I, it will it will be helpful for you to actually watch this versus uh, just just listening to it because um, in order to, to fully take it in, you obviously you obviously have to be able to see it. So, but some of the things you'll be able to pick on just just by me talking about them. So. Enough of me kind of rambling on about, you know, uh, why it is I, uh, or the, the story behind making it, and I'll just get into why I, uh, why I chose the design that I decided to choose and um, what all went into to making it. So, uh, first things first, the only dimension that really uh, mattered to the priest and, and to me which made it serve a utilitarian function was uh, how tall it needed to be. And that would, in my opinion, be the only thing about this that was not carefully considered um, because I asked uh, Father Logston, I was like, you know, you're predominantly going to be the priest standing in front of this table uh, and need it from time to time. So how tall do you need it to be? And I kind of used the analogy for him of... Um, uh, a lot of people, and, and this is uh, argued about, well, not really argued about, but um, I've watched different videos on the height of a workbench. Um, it depends on what type of work you're wanting to do, but say you uh, wanted to have a workbench that, um, that was um, good for hand planing, um, uh, that's actually determined by your hand. Um, as a lot of measurements from the past uh, handed down from one tradition to the next were actually based off of the, uh, the width of your hand. So from here up to the top of your thumb um, would be the, the space of your hand. And that's, I think that's actually how you measure horses and stuff like that. So there's, uh, these things have some overlap throughout, um, throughout history. Uh, but they say that a, a good height for a workbench, if you're going to be working from a hand planing, would be about five 
uh, hand lengths, and then there's like how wide would you want it to be and whatnot. Um, but there's also just the general rule of if you're going to be just doing all of your work from from one workbench, uh, then a good height would just be about waist high. Um, so that's kind of, you know, as like the way that I view this as a priest would be that, you know, you're standing up here uh, engaged in the mass and, and, and doing this religious ceremony. Um, you know, a comfortable height for you might be around waist height. And uh, I can't remember what that measurement was for, um, for the priest, but I think that it stands somewhere around 35 inches off the, off the ground. So that was really the only dimension. Um, and then I, you know, asked him, I was like, about how uh, wide would you want it to be? And that's when he's, oh, you know, <laughs> about like that. So I arrived at a, I made it basically as, as big as I uh, wanted to. So the, the really the only two functions that it needed to serve was it being tall enough and it being wide enough to be able to um, uh, hold anything and everything that the priest would need to be able to, to have um, as he went through the mass. So uh, I believe it's 15 by 15 wide at the, at the top, meaning the top of the table is 15 by 15 wide, and it's, it sits somewhere about uh, 35 uh, inches tall. Now, those two dimensions don't really necessarily mean too terribly much to me. They were just what had to be in order to make it function properly, which again, that would mean that it's not fully an art form. Um, because it has a utilitarian purpose. But the rest of it, though, is like, well, that's where the craftsmanship, that's where um, uh, form and function kind of meet to where you could say that this is somewhat of, a, of an artistic expression um, is uh, in, in the design itself. Um, but we're still not quite there. Uh, I decided that I would draw some inspiration from uh, a mission style table. So if you look at mission style furniture, uh, this would be somewhat similar to that, um, which meant that the predominant joint that I would be utilizing would be a mortise and tenon joint. Um, so you can see here this um, piece right here. And a lot of people don't know this anymore, um, that uh, this piece of wood doesn't end right here. So it isn't like attached with a fastener or anything like that. It is joined from here to here by itself. There's actually a square hole that uh, is cut into this piece of wood called a mortise. And then this piece of wood is actually longer than it appears because it goes into this piece of wood. Um, so the joinery aspect of it is a series of mortise and tenons. So you can see on the front of this, there's a mortise and tenon here, a mortise and tenon here, a mortise and tenon here, mortise and tenon here, mortise and tenon here, 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 and here. Um, which obviously, so just on that one side, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then uh, for the cross, 9, 10, 11, 12. Um, so there are 12 joints on each side of this table that had to be cut in order for it to be symmetrical uh, and, and make sense. Um, uh, I could have, you know, done it differently. I could have uh, not done it on all sides, um, but 
again, for, for me, uh, I was shooting for the idea that uh, it needs to look um, beautiful all the way around. And uh, based off of the theme that I had chosen for this, that was just kind of what it, it called for. So I cut all of these mortise and tenons, but we're still, you know, so that, that again is just how it is joined together. Um, and this is a very, very strong form of joinery. This is, you know, how houses, ships, everything. Like you go back and you look at uh, the forms for the Roman Colosseum and stuff like that. Um, most of it was done doing timber framing, uh, which used a series of mortise and tenons housing uh, what, what are called dados, housing dados, you'll hear it called, and dovetails. Um, uh, so it, it was all uh, held together using joinery, and then they could uh, reinforce it with concrete and block and stone and all of that good stuff. Um, it's a very ancient form of joining something together, and there's really not much of a way of improving upon it. Um, it is uh, really the best way to hold a piece of furniture, a house, or anything like that together um, is by joining it together and not necessarily fastening it. So, um, uh, so that's what it is, uh, that, that's how it's basically put together. Uh, but the rest of it, though, um, of why it looks the way that it looks and it appears the way that it appears is based off of um, really the eye of a craftsman in why and, and what, what I'm really going to try to show you is how none of this is really arbitrary. It, it's all pre-planned um, and you sit there as a craftsman and you do your best to um, take everything into account so that it all looks like it makes sense. And it's probably something in today's day and age that really only you know, a handful of people even know about anymore, but hopefully this podcast will maybe illuminate that a little bit and show you what you can look for when you're going to either purchase or try to build a piece of fine furniture. So um, before I begin building anything, the first thing that has to be taken into account is the way that the grain needs to travel on a, on a piece of furniture. So when you look at this, uh, piece of furniture. Um, if we take a look at the top of it, which you're not going to be able to see it too terribly well, but I'll, again, I'll uh, take some videos of the top of it and put it on YouTube. You'll see that the grain is tra traveling in this direction um, in what we call a quarter sawn fashion. And uh, what that means is that the, the grain appears to be just very straight in going going in, in one direction. Very common in furniture building to, um, to, to have a quarter sawn look to it. It's not as strong as plain sawn lumber, um, uh, but it is um, very pleasant to work with and it has a very uniform look to it. Um, so you'll notice that each one of these, this tabletop actually is comprised of three pieces of wood that are uh, glued and laminated together. So when I, and, and I remember very well when I built this piece of furniture, I sat there and I took these three pieces of wood that I had just gotten down to the right dimensions and got 
um, edge jointed and I determined that like these are the pieces of wood that I want to use for the top of this table uh, based off of their look. Um, I decided that uh, like I, I sat there and I would you know put them next to one another and I would sit there and I would consider which ones I felt um, look like they went together and that's the best that I can really describe it and it is a bit subjective you know like perhaps a different craftsman would say that uh, that it, it should be going uh, or it like you know this piece of wood should have been here and this piece of wood should have been here so on and so forth um, but I actually did when I posted this online the first time I was so happy I don't remember who it was uh, if I can remember I'll I'll like tag them in this or something uh, but I was so happy when they said like you got the grain to match very well on that piece of furniture it's like one of the biggest um, pats on the back from one craftsman to another is to have another craftsman acknowledge to you um, something that most other people would glance by but that's what craftsmen um, looking at their material remarkably differently than uh, than, than someone who doesn't build stuff like this uh, would, would look at it. So choosing and, and laying out and looking at things and determining, you know, how they ought to go together, that's a very um, important step. Now, uh, I did that with the top, but I also did that with the entire project. And that's the thing um, that uh, I, I would say in part, and I, and I still consider myself to be a novice craftsman here. I want to be very clear with that. I'm not, you know, I, I'm nowhere near uh, the the work of a great craftsman like Paul Sellers or uh, Rob Cosmer or anything like that. Um, but uh, uh, but something that definitely would separate a good craftsman uh, from a very very beginning craftsmen is that they wouldn't take into account the direction of the grain wood because that's a whole nother skill in and of itself. But if you take a look at this table, you will see that uh, on this side of this piece of wood, this leg and this leg, uh, you are looking at the quarter sawn side of each of these legs, um, meaning that the, the grain direction appears very uh, symmetrical like it, it looks like they should be next to one another now if I turn uh, the table this way you will notice that the grain appears different on the front of these and that is because this is the plain sawn direction we get a more cathedral look you can see it very pronounced right up here at the top of this piece you kind of have these layers of wood that are going over uh, uh, like kind of stacking over the top of one another, kind of like uh, scales on a fish. Uh, uh, we call that a very cathedral-esque look to, uh, to, to the uh, furniture itself. And I did that all the way around. Um, and uh, on all sides of the piece of furniture, uh, everywhere that you see a piece of wood that has a, uh, like these tenon pieces here, they all travel, they were all picked to go in a quarter sawn direction. So like, uh, basically what I was trying to do is to make the grain of the wood all look the same, uh, 
depending on what side you were looking at. Because, like again, a, a really uh, great craftsman would, would notice that. Like, if I put this cathedral-looking plainsawn side right here, it would stand out to uh, to to a, a very to to a master craftsman. It would stand out like a sore thumb. Um, not that I necessarily care about what they think, but like you're trying to have this call out the best in you, so everything has to be taken into account like this. Um, so doing that all the way around, like you know, not even beginning the project yet, and you've considered. Um, something that is going to make it really, really stand out as a very beautiful, symmetrical looking piece that kind of looks like it all goes together. Um, and that is really what I think Great Furniture is, is trying to do is to um, get us to feel at home again, right? Um, that it, it's like it, it's all unified and it looks like it ought to be that way. Um, so I, I, uh, so if you can't tell, I get really, really excited about all this. So that takes into account, um, this one's, uh, uh, symmetry and the beauty of the wood grain and everything like that. And there are other things that I've done too. Like if you were to take a look at it, um, you know, the, the base of the legs, uh, are not really what your eye is going to catch. I would say that, you know, if I'm sitting out in, in, uh, at, at mass, um, that I'm more so going to be caught by this section of the uh, of the piece of furniture. So because of that, I also plan to have uh, what we call the, you'll hear it pronounced differently, uh, the medullary rays or the medullary rays, you'll hear it also pronounced. Not really sure which one is correct or not, but uh, this is basically where, this is a white oak um, or th this is all made out of white oak and then the, the crosses are made out of walnut. Uh, white oak does this really cool thing that as you get closer and closer to the edge of the tree, more and more um, sunlight has hit it through the years. Um, uh, so it'll, like where the sun basically kisses the outer portion of the tree um, and then it continues to grow uh, as a tree it will leave the imprint of the sun kind of shining its rays on the tree in what we call a medullary ray. And uh, they're these different colored rays that are just incredibly beautiful. I, 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 I love that about, uh, I am a red oak lover more so than a white oak lover, which is um, kind of something that is hotly contested among some woodworkers, but uh, the white oak is very beautiful as well. I just like working with red oak more um, but it does leave these these beautiful rays over, uh, especially the quarter sawn side of a piece of white oak. At least that's what I have noticed, and uh, and I love it. So I wanted to have those oriented toward the top. So that's why, um, as you look at this piece of furniture, um, you'll see more pronounced rays toward the top of the of the piece versus the bottom of the piece. So all of these things are just um, things that catch my eye as a craftsman and uh, uh, why I want to plan it that way. Now, the dimensions are kind of what gives us a sense of proportion for this piece of furniture are not arbitrary. Um, they're all uh, planned to follow, um, at least in this particular sequence here, um, 
uh, a, you'll hear it called uh, the, the Fibonacci sequence that um, as that number sequence grows and you divide the numbers, um, you wind up with a what's called the, uh, the divine mean, the golden ratio, all of these different names for it, um, which has kind of served as a testament throughout history as a um, basically a, a coding for how we can try to uh, make something in art more beautiful. But it, you know, kind of explains um, to a degree anyway, um, the way that our world, uh, like we, we can explain a lot of things about our world mathematically by, by using that mathematical expression of, um, uh, or whatever the mathematical term for that would be. Um, and it's a number sequence uh, that starts out um, zero, one, uh, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, twenty-one, so on and so forth. I'm not a mathematician, um, but basically uh, those numbers um, represent a spiral. If you were to graph them out, and life kind of has this spiraling effect to it. And uh, when you look at furniture building, uh, that's a, a pretty common theme um, for, uh, it won't necessarily be exactly those dimensions, but you'll see uh, like the shakers would do something like when they made the, uh, the fronts of drawers, um, they would maybe have a three inch wide drawer and then the drawer underneath that one on a dresser would be five inches and then the one underneath that one 13 or uh, eight inches and then 13. Or they would um, uh, take the top drawer, let's say it's three inches, um, multiply it by a third or, or if it were two inches or whatever it may be, they'll multiply it by a third or a fifth, kind of like the same way of making music to a degree. Um, so uh basically what i'm pointing to is that um furniture design at least in my mind and you can read about this in books like uh, by hand and i by um, jim tolpin and uh, george walker which is a great book um that it it isn't really necessarily arbitrary and that we can tap into these things and um it's not to say that every piece of furniture doesn't have a level of beauty to it, but it's like, but these things, if we do it, if we make it make mathematical sense, then it'll kind of show this harmony of, of again, like what I was just saying, it'll make us feel like we're at home again. And it'll make it feel as if that piece of furniture ought to be that way. That like, when you look at it, you'll be like, that makes sense. And that's really what I was attempting to do with this particular piece of furniture and am attempting to do the same thing with uh, its, its cousin that I'm making right now. Um, so when you look at the proportions of all of this, uh, when you look at this cross here, it's uh, three inches across, um, a third of the way down from the top, uh, five inches tall. Uh, this piece of wood here, five inches by one inch. This piece of wood right here is one inch. Uh, this piece of wood is two inches. So like all of these uh, pieces of wood right here um, represent a Fibonacci sequence of numbers. Um, 
uh, when, when you take a look at it. And I'm kind of doing the same thing with my uh, other piece of furniture. And that's a pretty common practice in woodworking. And um, uh, I guess you don't have to believe that that's actually the case or not. But when you go and like, you know, at least when I have, you know, been around people that experience my furniture that typically follows a rule similar to that, um, yeah, I've, I've yet to have somebody tell me that, um, uh, that a piece of furniture that I made was, um, uh, not beautiful and it's largely because of the proportions that I, uh, want to, to choose at least I think. And I think that that's maybe something that we could learn. You know, I, I've seen people that are like, you know, there's kind of an arbitrary nature to, um, like it, they, they think that people are, you know, like super, we, we've become a very, I think, superstitious society in the sense of like wanting to doubt anything that was kind of handed down from the past is just like, ah, well, you know, it's kind of wonky to sit there and say that like this rectangle is better than this rectangle or so on and so forth. But I don't necessarily think that that's, I don't think you get to just say that and then move on and act like it, it is um, foolish to say that there is such a thing as one rectangle being superior to the other based off of the idea that it's like, well, it's how that is going to appear as it occupies space in our material reality. Um, and what I mean by that is that, um, you know, like if I am going to make a piece of furniture for someone, when I, when I made this piece of furniture, I made it after having sat in that church for several hours over the course of several different times throughout that year, thinking about how can I make this look like it belongs here and the moment that i put that in place and i was like i think that i achieved that like it looks like it's been here the whole time i don't think that i could have achieved that if i just would have arbitrarily decided to throw something together um i really really had to use my reason my ability to think and put those things together and my abilities as a craftsman in order to make it feel like we are at home again with our uh, design. And that's really what I'm trying to do with my furniture. And, um, and it isn't to you know, look at another craftsman and say that they're, if they're not going for that, that their furniture isn't as good or, um, or it doesn't have a beauty to it, but this is really kind of how we determine um, whether one thing is considered to be potentially finer than something else. Um, knowing full well that my furniture is, is nowhere near as good as these really, really great craftsmen that are out there running around right now. Like my furniture um, absolutely pales in comparison to really, really great craftsmen that are out there. But I'm trying, and there's a beauty to that in and of itself, right? Um, so that I think is pretty much everything. I didn't really want this podcast to even be as long. I don't know, probably about 40 minutes now, which is longer than I really wanted it to be. But um, but I, I really, really hope that uh, I've been able to... Oh, I, I mean, there are just other, I guess, features on here. Um, I, I really like to put just very gentle 
Um, some people call them uh, lamb's tail, even though or lamb's tongues, even though it's not really a lamb's tongue because it's it's finished out. But I like to just scallop uh, the front off of this, and this is actually um, even with this two-inch piece of wood coming down here. So I just you know kind of break the surface of that, maybe by a quarter of an inch uh, off the front of that, and then um, uh, take the back of the legs off to just kind of. Um, uh, give the the shape a little bit of um, to to give it some relief um, so that it it uh, kind of plays with your eyes, especially when the sun hits it in different directions and whatnot. Um, you know these uh, arcs. You know, um, I think at first I tried to make the arc like a sixth off of that, which would be very common in uh, in in furniture building, furniture design. But then as I got to looking at it, and this kind of shows a bit of a, a subjective nature to it, it just didn't look, it, it called for it to have a more drastic uh, arc to it. So I think I wound up settling on um, like a fourth or something along those lines. Um, so a fourth of the, the distance of this piece of wood, I, I took it off toward the center of the arc. So that's why it's arced here uh, like that. And... Um, you know, really just this this whole project was an absolute joy to work on and I, I loved uh, doing it and uh, and I'm really enjoying making uh, the replacement for it um, but I, you know I, I don't know um, I guess I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to make another one uh, but my hope is that it will, uh, always be better than this one, but I, I don't know if it will. Um, uh, so there's just a little bit for you on furniture design, kind of how I approach the idea of proportion and symmetry with regard to woodworking, some things about fine craftsmanship. Um, you know, if you have any questions or comments, please let me know. I, I want to do a Q&A episode, but I, I want to kind of build a body of work up first where you, you have some things to ask before I just get out there and start doing stuff like that. So uh, hopefully you've learned something. Um, and uh, if you're interested in buying some furniture and want to know, you know um, anything about uh, other tips for um, what, uh, what to look for and things along those lines, more than, more than happy to help out anyone interested in something like that because it's um, good to want furniture that will last several lifetimes and if there's one thing that I hope to contribute to that is um, hopefully people will start listening to this stuff and um, want to commission the work of great craftsmen that are out there even if it's not me <laughs> uh, well and my work is taking me kind of away from just building things for customers um, but uh, but maybe one day uh, but in any case, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this piece of furniture and uh, look forward to doing the next one. Have a great rest of your day and God bless. I hope you liked this episode of the First Age Woodworking Podcast. Please remember to like, subscribe, and follow First Age Woodworking on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Thank you and God bless.